What do you consider to be unusual? Oh, I don't know. What do you recommend? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 10th installment of the CuffCast from the Calgary Underground Film Festival, a resource for all films, bizarre, strange, erotic, underground, subversive, cool, wacky. We got them all at the 2022 edition. This is a special installment of the CuffCast. We're going to cover the entire lineup, front to back, of the 2022 Calgary Underground Film Festival. With me is... Brenda Lieberman, lead programmer, festival director. Brendan Tilly, lead programmer. And as always, Rhett Miller, co-host, producer, extraordinaire. Stick around and find out what we got coming up for you this year at the Calgary Underground Film Festival. Brenda, welcome to Rhett's studio. Thanks. Brennan, welcome to the virtual realm. Thanks. Wish you could be here. Brennan's a little sick. And he's ill as well. So, guys, we've been so busy this month. Why were we doing this to ourselves? Well, we had uh, Ty West's X as Off the Cuff. So good. So well attended. That crowd was going crazy, man. That was like, how did it play at South By? Brennan got to see this movie at its worldwide premiere. It played great at, at South By Southwest. That, that's an, the South By Southwest audience is always craving loving a film and sometimes overloves a film. Um, but that was one where I was like, hey, I think our audience is actually going to love this as much as this audience too. And so immediately I sent a Slack to the team being like, our audience is going to go bonkers about this in two days because this crowd just went crazy. But yeah, it was great. So good. The audience reaction too for certain, for certain scenes, like the shotgun towards the end. Oh yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and the sex stuff, man. Oh, you could feel the cringe in the room. We didn't get to see the teaser, though. Supposedly, uh, there's a trailer for the sequel that they shot in secret on the same set with the same crew and some of the same cast called Pearl. Did you see that trailer, Brennan? I did see that, yeah. And again, the crowd went wild because they also didn't realize it was the same actress, which I kind of thought was a key part of the film. But yeah, that was when the audience realized that was the same actress and again, lost their shit. <laughs> awesome. And then... Again, our crowd losing their shit, sold out screaming, off the cuff of everything, everywhere, all at once. What a movie that was. Wow. I was moved, shaken. Some people are calling this one of the best movies ever made. I mean, it's really too early to even call it one of the best movies of the year. But this movie had an effect on people. I loved it. Have you gotten to see it yet? It's clearly distinct, and I think that's what we're always looking for, is that there is nothing else like this movie. It is a complete trip and i think people that have been watching some pretty by the book stuff for the last couple years with with uh, maybe not as much challenging films coming out just had their minds reopened by this film and hopefully in preparation for our festival where we're gonna take that open mind and just scoop out their brains yeah and i love that the daniels still did some poo poo humor i was a little worried this was gonna be like uh you know little more highbrow than the, the, their previous work, but uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a butt plug kung fu scene uh, that you will not forget. And I don't even know that's a spoiler because there's so much going on in this movie that I, I think it's kind of hard to spoil it. Someone was like, oh, the poster spoils too much. I'm like, this is a confetti of a movie. Like, I don't know if you can spoil it too much, but uh, yeah, it was beautiful. So we look forward to bringing you more off the cuffs and uh, both those were super well attended. So thanks to everybody for coming out. All right. Let's get into the main festival, gang. We have, what do we got? 38 feature films we're going to be talking about. Three shorts packages. So I'm going to jump in. 48-hour movie-making challenge is back. We had 16 teams sign up. 14 teams delivered their films. They were all assigned a genre, a prop, and a line that they had to use. I won't spoil anything yet, but the line is tied into a special beer we have brewed for us by 88 for the festival this year. So uh, thanks for organizing that, Brenda. There's going to be a launch party at the Ship and Anchor. They're showing Toxic Avenger, and the beer will be available. And what type of beer is it? Is it an IPA? Do we know? It's a hazy pale ale. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be delicious. And fresh. Yeah, delicious, fresh. Uh, It's going to be available 
obviously at the Ship and Anchor uh, on tap and throughout the festival. And then there's also going to be um, liquor stores and other places that'll be carrying it too. So Hell yeah. Who are some of our jurors this year, Brenda? Uh, jurors, we've got uh, Dave Lawrence, uh, who many probably know through FUBAR. We've got Ashley Fester, who's an alumni who works in film production, production coordinator roles. We've got uh, James Shapiro from XYZ Films, who's going to be part of this Head as of well. distribution. Yeah, and Josh Spicer, longtime 48-hour alumni. Yeah, shout out to Josh. Uh, they yeah. always made some of the best shit, man. Yep, so... Too bad they're not making one this year, but really great to have them on as a juror. <laughs> yeah, we took a brief hiatus, but uh, I'm really happy to be back. The films this year are awesome. There's a wide variety of genres and styles. Back in the day, everyone used to just go for yucking it up, but there's some cool, serious ones this time, so I'm pretty excited to see who takes home the prizes. All right, next up, we got After Blue, Dirty Paradise. This is maybe the trippiest film we have at the festival. Definitely one of, if not the most psychedelic, sexual, somewhat confusing, but uh, it doesn't need to make sense. This is a movie all about the vibes. I loved it, and I can't wait to see it again on the big screen. And we got a life on the farm. This might have been one of the first movies we booked. Hey, gang, a doc from uh, the. It was produced by the Found Footage Boys. Yep. Yeah, this is the first one we booked. I actually I remember watching it while we were still in Cuff Docs. We were we were closing out our last festival, and I watched this screener, and I think some other people on the team maybe did too. And I think it was basically like a few days after we finished that festival, we're like let's book the first one for. For April, because we are absolutely in love with this film. It's kind of like My Prairie Home Companion meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but for real. It's crazy. I couldn't believe some of the stuff I was seeing in this movie. And all done with that found footage approach of heart first, and the heart leads to some uncomfortable <laughs>, laughs. I found myself moved from time to time. Yeah, and this one too, we're going to be doing a live Zoom Q&A, so... We'll have uh, Joe Pickett from Found Footage as part of it, as well as the director, Oscar Harding, and uh, one of the other producers, Dominic. All right, next up, we got another documentary, A Night of Knowing Nothing, which won the Golden Eye Prize for Best Documentary at Director's Fortnight at Cannes. This is one we really wanted to show at Cuff Docs or was on the radar, but I'm happy that we're showing it at the Main Fest because this thing is going to play so well on the big screen. This is like an ode to cinema and life and... Oh, man, this movie was crazy. Just even watching it on my computer, I just could picture this thing playing big. Yeah, and it's the kind of story that I think uh, being immersed in the cinema where you can just have no distraction and just focus on the story and the incredible cinematography of this one, too, I think is going to be good. Yeah, it, it, it's a love letter to cinema, so it's really appropriate in theater. I knew so little about the, the real-life events that it's it's built around, and I was just swept away into this world of, of revolution and, and love and the power of, of movie making. Yeah, so good. All right, next up, we got another documentary from local filmmaker Nadine Medell, A Wicked Eden, which is a very fun, cool, relevant look at the uh, world of, you know, online sex workers, mainly in the BDSM community. Uh, this premiered at Whistler, and uh, we are really stoked that she's... Uh, you know, showing it at her follow-up screening with us. Uh, is this the first screening since Whistler, I believe? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and some of the uh, local crew will be in attendance as well as one of the special guests from the film is going to be here as well. Awesome. So, yeah, shout-out to the Calgary team that made that film happen. It's really great, and uh, I'm pretty sure that one's going to sell out. So if it hasn't uh, by the time this episode has been released. Next up, another documentary, Beyond the Wasteland. This looks at the fandom behind... George Miller's Mad Max series, um, and it actually features a lot of the actors from the Mad Max films. It's beautifully shot. We get these fan films submitted pretty frequently, and I don't always like them because it, it kind of feels like too much of like a slobber fest, but this one is, really contextualizes the importance of those beautiful Mad Max films and um, just how many people it's affected and how many lives it's affected. Um, and watching some of these people do some reenactments in their gear. I don't know. I, I, I thought this was so so joyous and uh, maybe biased because so, those are some of my favorite movies of all time. But uh, I think this is just a damn good movie as well. All right, let's get trippy again, gang. 
Dawn breaks behind the eyes. This is being marketed as like a couple trapped at a castle. This <laughs> is much more than a couple trapped at a castle. I don't want to ruin much for you, but uh, fans of uh, Brian Yunza's Society will definitely want to see this movie. Fans of Darren Aronofsky's Mother. I got mad vibes of Coco D, Coco Da. This is a trippy, cool movie that really lingers. Also going to play so well on the big screen. Some of these visuals, crazy. Not to forget, too, this one's got a short before it called Rental Mom from Turkey. So we've got a really wild short playing before a wild feature. Yeah, definitely the Gonzo fans out there, sign yourselves up. Yeah, and I'd say both the short and the feature don't go in looking to fully understand either but I don't think it, it matters. I think that was the joy of, of both of these films, particularly Dawn Breaks Behind the Eyes. It's just peeling back onions of reveals and, and stuff. And that's why it's really hard to say anything about the film other than a couple trapped in a castle because you don't want to spoil what happens to any point of it. But it is layers and layers of trippy and, and one of my favorites of the festival. And I look forward to watching it again maybe twice during the festival just to try and catch up with what's going on. Next up, a beautiful film, not at all trippy, very humanistic and relevant and cool, well shot, Down with the King, starring the one and only Freddie Gibbs. I believe this premiered in Cannes as well. We jumped on this movie, man. We were so happy we could land this. This was an early booking as well. Crowd pleaser, some great music, and Freddie wrote all the raps himself in it. He said, if I'm going to be rapping this, it needs to be me. I love Freddie Gibbs, and uh, congrats for delivering such a great performance. He's so charismatic. A lot of good jokes in this one, too. Yeah, I love it. It also feels like kind of a quiet relationship film, too. Like, you're following what he's doing with his work and music and getting back in his groove, but uh, I really like the small-town feel where the film takes place and his interactions throughout the film. So it's a great kind of American indie story. I hope Freddie gets to act in a lot more roles. I can just picture him in like an action film, just fucking, just killing it. But he kills it in this too. Yeah. All right, next up, our opening night film, Duel from Riley Stearns, where we showed his work previously at Cuff as a secret screening, not so secret now as it was a few years ago. The Art of Self-Defense, trigger warning, dogs are injured in this one as well. But he always does it in such like kind of a cute <laughs> comedic way that it doesn't hurt me. But uh, I know Brenda was a little worried that the cuter of the dogs was going to get killed in this one. But it was uh, it's not that one. Where did we see the Sundance? This was a Sundance film. And Brenda and I immediately <laughs> messaged Brenda after watching it opening night going, uh, yeah, this should be our opening night movie. This is the one. It screams cuff. It's funny. It's weird. Yeah. It's dark. It's also life-affirming. Uh, there's a lot going on in this movie. And Riley's coming to the festival, so I'm really excited to host him. And I know people are going to love this movie, so that one's bound to sell out. Yeah, it sets a really nice tone for the festival, too. Like, each year when I look at whatever our opening is and then what the rest of the films are, there's yeah, something right. about it that really kind of sets the tone. And this year we've got some really, like, dark and twisted comedies and some light horror films throughout and like it's a very different tone of a festival this year than the previous and I feel like Duel really is gonna open up people's minds and hearts for what the madness to follow exactly so it feels very cuff though too so it's great speaking of feeling very cuff Freaksy in the story of Dinosaur Jr. maybe the band with the most cuff vibes next to maybe Ween or uh, I don't know Frank Zappa or something Man, I love Dinosaur Jr., and I was so afraid that a good doc couldn't be made from these guys because they're kind of quiet, keep to themselves, but they really contextualize Dinosaur Jr.'s place in rock music, and they just show them still killing it today, and some of this archival footage of their early shows is like, oh my god, man, how did they get that looking so good? Even people who don't know who Dinosaur Jr. are, you'll learn quite a bit about the 90s rock scene from this film alone, and who knows, maybe we'll get a few new fans out of it. This one also has a short before it. The local premiere with uh, Brock Davis Mitchell's film Pitta, a Paskin. It's a story of uh, Kyle Young Pine who grew up skateboarding and then goes into um, feather dancing. Yeah, a lot of great music in that as well and beautiful skateboarding footage. So the two tie in nicely together. All right, another local documentary, Friendly Local Game Store. This is from director Gary Snow and 
Gordon Johansson. This is about Sentry Box. Who comes to Cuff and doesn't know what Sentry Box is, man? It's the coolest, dustiest game store in town. It's the OG Magic the Gathering card store. It's where you'd go to get your overpriced board games. And it's not overpriced because of Sentry Box. These board games just cost way too much because they're niche and a lot of printing is required. But uh, this really shows uh, Sentry Box's place in the Calgary nerd community. And also goes to show just kind of how special they are. Not every city has a place like Sentry Box, but when they do, they're special. And those are the vibes this gives is that even if you don't know what Sentry Box is and you're a nerd who has a gaming history, you'll really get an appreciation for the people that really make this happen. Check it out. Next up, a dark comedy with some horror elements, Gatlop. So people are calling this kind of like Beetlejuice <laughs> meets Escape Room or something. It's kind of got Saw vibes. People are trapped in like uh, this otherworldly drinking game. Very funny, strong American indie vibes, I'd say. And uh, there's this great performance from, what's this young guy's name? It's John Bass. Man, this guy was so awesome in the Baywatch movie. He was like the, one of the good parts of the Baywatch movie. <laughs> but uh, this guy's got a future as one, as one of the funny dudes. And we're running out of funny people in the movies. So John Bassman. It's a light horror comedy that centers around a board game, which fits in really nicely to the vibe too. And I think anyone coming out on the Saturday night looking for something easy breezy, this, this film I thought was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think we're seeing a lot of films you know, in the last couple of years about people together in a house and isolated. And this one is able to use this kind of supernatural element to expand on that. So there's still very much the like group of friends trapped in a house shot, you know, spaced apart, uh, but also being able to just go so much further outside of the, the elements of the house, which I thought was really, really well done because again, we see a lot of very similar films over the last two years. And this one really found a way to break that mold, which I was super impressed with. And the other thing I want to add is, is that there is a short on this called Guts from a two-time Cuff alum, Chris McIlroy, um, who previously did We Summed a Demon and, uh, and Death Metal back with Guts. And so really excited whenever we see a short film alumni keep coming back and, and again, a, a film that pairs so well with the feature. Those are all bangers. Shout out to Chris, man. Those are all great Cuff classics. Can't wait to see a feature film from you. All right, next up, another music doc, Getting It Back, The Story of Simonday, a uh, funk, hip-hop, disco group that's been sampled countless times. And through the doc, you get to see the resurgence of the band that went unnoticed for so long, making these funky, cool beats. Shout out to Adam Hicks for tracking this one down and uh, adding it to our already cool, funky lineup. This adds some flavor. It's got some great archival footage. Some amazing performances from this awesome band, as well as great interviews with the folks that they've affected. This one's another film where we're going to have a live Zoom Q&A at the screening of it. Uh, hopefully if the director can stay awake or wake up at 3 in the morning UK time, but Tim Mackenzie Smith is going to be uh, around for us to talk to him after the screening. All right, gang, we like to keep it eclectic at Cuff. We like to have something for everyone, and we like to always keep it somewhat subversive. And that I think Girl Picture... Checks a lot of boxes for a lot of people. I quite enjoyed this. I saw it at Sundance. Is that where you saw it too, Brenda? I saw it at Berlin, actually, in the end. Yeah, it played both, but I ended up seeing it at Berlin and loved it. What do you love about this movie? I love coming-of-age films just in general, but it was a different approach, different story, different vibe, and the chemistry between the girls and the story, and it has like a bit more of a raw, traditional European aesthetic to it that I appreciated that feels really just really authentic i was gonna say going back to the the sundance discovery but it, it was actually the first finished film to compete in world dramatic at sundance and then i think both brenda and i were kind of circling around it during the first few days of the festival and just schedule wasn't aligning and then luckily it went on to win the audience award which was tremendous and then that meant it had an extra screening so i made sure that as soon as that award was announced that i claimed my ticket and then yeah absolutely fell in love with this film that I've been trying to catch. And then when it won the award, it was at least one of my award winner tickets. And uh, I just think it's such a, a beautiful film and such a, a clearly female-driven coming-of-age film. I, I think we find that even when there are coming-of-age films focused on young girls, sometimes it feels like it's still from a bit of a male perspective. But this one really cracks through with a, a true, what I would say, like a real good finish look at it. And then also, like, you can really tell that the entire behind-the-camera team is, is female and really 
imbued this with with a sincerity. Yeah, and I don't know if some of our listeners know, but we Nicole McControversy also works with us with the Boston Underground and other film festivals around, and this is one of her highlights as well. Hell yeah. Next up, Homebound. We threw in something for the creepy kid horror fans out there, the Babadook fans. I mean, Rhett and I both have kids. We know they can get a little weird, and we're frightened of what might happen in the future. So uh, hopefully no paranormal nuisances occur, but they do in a bounds in Homebound. <laughs> yeah, like th- th- this film again, like I've been noticing a lot about the films that we've got this year. Like they've all got such like a really nice and unique aesthetic for the story that they're telling. And with Homebound, I thought that the youth actors were really good and the tone and feel of the film I thought played out really nice from beginning to end. It's a kind of like a slow burn. And, you know, you've seen creepy kid movies before, but this film, I thought, played out really well. It gets dark. Yeah, and I would say that it's one of those creepy kid films where you understand the motivation of the kids, which is interesting. Oftentimes you're like, why is this kid being like this? I don't get it. This is the flip. I don't actually understand why the adults behave the way they do in this when the kids are so dang creepy. But you understand when the kids are creepy and they're, they really pull it off. Those three kids are just, they, they give me chills. So we've got a local film Death Rattle screening with it, uh, which is uh, by Eric Stroppel. And, you know, really both these films put a lot of emphasis on their score and soundtrack in terms of like audio. So... Uh, that's something that stands out in Homebound as well. And speaking of maybe not creepy kids, but violent kids, Honeycomb from Canadian filmmaker Avalon Fast, who will be at the film festival with actor Henry Gillespie. This reminds me of some of the shot on video films of the 90s that really had no rules. A lot of people are comparing this to Yellow Jackets, that popular television show about, it's kind of like Lord of the Flies with gals. And I think this actually hit the potential of Yellow Jackets. I think Yellow Jackets didn't go nasty enough, but Honeycomb goes there. The youth cast, they really bring some like nuance to the roles that you're not used to seeing with these actors. And I'd say the same behind the camera too, because I believe Avalon was like 19 or 20 when she started making this thing. Speaking of Nicole McControversy, this thing played like gangbusters at Buff. I saw Twitter was going crazy over this movie. So yeah, fans of yeah, cutting edge shot on video, horror, you know, subversive, borderline experimental horror films are definitely going to want to check out Honeycomb. And I can't wait to ask Avalon how she pulled this off. Another documentary, Jane by Charlotte. This is actress Charlotte Gainsbourg uh, directing a film about her mother, uh, Jane Birkin. It's, it's really touching, artful, and candid. A lot of really candid stories about uh, Serge Gainsbourg, what life was like back in the day, man. There's, uh, <laughs> it wasn't easy for Jane. And uh, Charlotte's always a joy to have on camera. Something about all these docs, like, I feel like they've all got a really different form and style that they took to making the documentaries that we've got in the festival. And Jane by Charlotte is one of them, especially, like, even going back to Night and Knowing Nothing. Everyone's kind of playing with how to tell different stories with a documentary. And that's what I find is unique about this even collection of films at the festival this year for the docs. Yeah, it is super visionary. And this one obviously is a very personal story and you, you feel the comfort between them. And I mean, and sometimes they, they, they even leave it for you to fill in some of the blanks in terms of their family relationship because they're so comfortable talking to each other and just, oh, remember this, remember that. And it, it just, you really feel like you're sitting in on just a beautiful conversation between mother and daughter, right? I knew so little about Jane Birkin, and I would learn that she's the namesake for Birkin bags. That was what came out of this for me that I was really blown away by. What's a Birkin bag? That's the bag that Kanye West gives to all his ladies. It's like one of the most exclusive bags in the world. All right, we got a live script reading from Cuff alum Rob Grant from audience award-winning film Harpoon. This is called Husks. Brenda, what actors do we have reading for this? Oh, we just confirmed a bunch of actors. Mark O'Brien, who we're going to get to a little later with his film, The Righteous. So some of the other actors that we've got confirmed is uh, Ivy Miller. Rob Grant is also going to have a small part of reading and participating in this as well. He does for all of his script readings. Ellis Lalonde, uh, Ramon Joshi, and Anne Hawthorne. 
and then as I mentioned, Mark O'Brien as well. So well, it's always great to see a script kind of workshopped in front of an audience. Uh, we had last year we had uh, Barbara Crampton and Michael Ironside, so it's a tough tradition at this point. It is, and like I don't, know, I just actually rewatched Ready or Not the other day because I was like, Mark is coming. I'm excited to meet him. I think the script reading is going to be fantastic, and I love that movie, so I I rewatched it. He's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Man, Ready or Not owns. <laughs> I had higher hopes for their Scream movie, but we don't need to talk about that. All right, Lucifer, man. (laughs) This is dark, subversive. You'll see things you never thought you would in a beautiful way, too. It's like maybe the least exploitive of the horror-type films in our lineup this year. Kind of shot like Koyan Azkotsky or something. And it's about uh, this this small village that's invaded by drones. That's all I want to say about this. It's kind of like Dawn Breaks Behind the Eyes, where the less you know, the better with Lucifer. And uh, Adam Hicks got caught, turned on to this movie back at Fantastic Fest. And when I tracked down this screener link, man, my mind was blown. This was an instant yes for me. You will remember this movie. And another movie you're definitely going to remember. Holy shit. We're getting dark here, folks. Uh. Piggy. This was one of the midnight films at the Sundance Film Festival this year. I'm going to argue the only actual midnight movie in that this gets grimy. It gave me vibes of high tension or martyrs, like definitely some French extreme horror going on in this, but also some echoes of Catherine Brulé's Fat Girl. Trigger warning, there's some harsh bullying depicted in this film. Um, And even harsher comeuppance. So I think there should be trigger warnings all over this movie if you if those are even a thing anymore. But uh, if I heard a trigger warning, I'd be like, okay, that's going to be one of the movies I want to see. So <laughs> this is for the freaks out there. This is for the midnight fans. I believe Night Terrors is presenting this. Uh, it's going to be a wild screening. Yeah, it's, it is hard to watch. It's written and directed by Carlota Pereira. And when I was listening to the Q&A at Sundance, a lot of people were asking questions you know, trying to get different meanings about the endings and the story behind the fat shaming and the bullying and whatnot. But the director just felt the movie is what it is. She had made a short previously, same name, same story, and this is an expansion of it if anyone had a chance to see the short. But she just really wanted to stay true to her original script and story, and it is an incredibly hard film to watch. So, And this lead performance was so vulnerable, so strong, kills it every step of the way. Yeah, I, I think the short was on my top 10 of the year, the year it came out. And I mean, I, I absolutely loved the short and it really only makes up. I mean, this is one of those features where they basically recreate the short as the first 15 minutes. And what I thought was a pretty provocative 15 minutes becomes quite the feature when they just expand from there. Hell yeah. So we got another tale of the female experience coming up, the dark comedy retrograde from Canadian filmmaker Adrian Murray. Man, I loved this movie. It's like a femme curb your enthusiasm. It starts with a millennial getting a traffic ticket and uh, <laughs> spirals into an existential look at uh, what motivates people to grow, I guess would be uh, one of the main themes. <laughs> Of the film, but so much great cringe comedy. Again, fans of Kirby Enthusiasm or any type of cringe relationship comedy are definitely going to want to check out Retrograde. And what a lead performance. Holy shit, this girl kills it. And I want to see the other movies that they've made together. It looks like Adrian and her have been working together for a while. And it looks like this got the Grand Jury Honorable Mention at Slam Dance 2022. Well-deserved. Should have won the Grand Jury Award, in my opinion. This is one of my favorites. Nice and short, yeah, too. On that note, I was going to say slam dance, I always find is so, it's kind of a bit ironic, but I, I find I go to slam dance to find some of the best in, in Canadian film sometimes. Like they, they really have their eye on a certain type of Canadian film that we see first outside our country at slam dance, and then we, we find it and, and bring it home. But yeah, this was another one of theirs. They've got sort of the finger on the pulse of some, some very underground Canadian films that seem to be really doing well, premiering there. And uh, this is another one of that ilk that just really blew me away with the commitment to a petty grievance. You said, you know, the motivation to grow, or maybe this is the motivation to not grow. (laughs) She will not relent. She feels she's been done wrong, and and she is willing to risk everything in her life to right that wrong. 
Well, it becomes a personality. Like it's almost a commentary on the social media generation, where it's like you just dig your closet <laughs> on one thing that's your life, and but there's so much else out there. And uh, and uh, yeah, really, again, a life affirming ending. I, uh, the ending could like in another director's hands would have went way meaner, but this ending, I, was, I thought it was beautiful. I really like Retrograde. I can't wait to see more movies from that from this team. All right, another Canadian movie. This is one of the bangers for National Canadian Film Day. The 2013 indie breakout rhymes for young ghouls from Indigenous filmmaker Jeff Barnaby. I had the joy of seeing this at TIFF. You would not believe that this was a first feature unless you were told this was a first feature. This has style for days, a distinct POV, grit, grime, great performances. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Barnaby is one of the great Canadian directors working today, and uh, you can see why with his debut film. This is a free screening, and this is at Canyon Meadows Cinema. This is the only one not at the Globe. This is also before the festival, too. So we'll be trekking out to Canyon Meadows. Make a stop by Video Game Trader if you're driving out there. Jeff and his gang run a cool, tight ship there with a lot of great cult movies. Their movie selection is beautiful. And if you like video games, so many of those, too. <laughs> as the name says. All right, next one, off of Tiff Midnight Madness, Saloom. Man, this is a trippy movie, but a crowd pleaser at the same time. Like, I almost want to call this a Pulp Fiction style telling of like a South African mystical Western. It's like, there's a lot of odes to other films, but done in such a unique, distinct way that you, you forget all of the references quite quickly. It's definitely got Mad Max vibes, but done in, with more color and flair, and it's really fun. A lot of cool, stylish violence. Maybe echoes of like Guy Ritchie style movies, like definitely has like an electric 90s feel, something that feels missing. There's an energy in this movie. Holy yeah, shit. I was gonna say it might even have that cinema de look vibes to it. I felt like a lot of earlier Luc Besson influences. And I think the one thing is, you know, when you, you see films that are called, you know, genre benders, sometimes they, a little too overtly moved from genre to genre. And this one just felt so seamless in, in the way that it's influences melt that you never really think, oh, this is from there, that's from there, this is derivative of that. It's just, it's all its own creation with just obviously some that, that's so well-versed in, in the cinematic language and some really, really cool vibes that come through it. It's 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 quite the treat. And again, obviously great to have a, a film from, from Senegal and, and that type of representation and see different national cinemas come through with with such impressive work i almost felt like alex cox was going to show up any minute like this really felt like yeah like repo man vibes like anything goes because we're playing within the genre world mm -hmm. love this movie all right saturday morning all you can eat cartoon cereal parties coming back uh can i wear a new costume this year the other one is starting to smell kind of bad and i don't know if it's washable side note we'll talk about that later Dave Bertrand now curates this, so we're getting cartoons from the 90s now. It's not 70s, 80s, as Kayla stated on her wonderful interview on one of the previous CuffCasts. I loved that interview, man. She is so goddamn smart. But Kayla was focusing on the cartoons from her youth, but she's passed the torch to Dave Bertrand, who's focusing on the cartoons from his youth, and there's about a 10 to 15 year age gap on those folks. So we're getting into the 90s, so we're, there's gonna be stuff like gargoyles, I mean, it's like a, it's a surprise, though. We never know what's going to be here. And we shouldn't really talk about the cartoons afterwards because just feel the sugar, feel the nostalgia, feel the cartoons. There's three hours of them. How, is it three hours this year? Do we know the full package? Full three hours. Full three hours. A little longer, yeah. Yeah, this is just going to be a fever dream. Um, and it's always such a banger. All right, we got a secret screening again this year. That's all we're saying about that. Uh, yeah, you basically, you, no one's going to find out. You just no get in the cinema, we won't even, you'll just start watching. I don't even know what it is. I've already forgotten. Now I know what it is, and it's a wonderful film. Definitely get your tickets. You're going to be feeling the FOMO if you don't. It is. It's one, of, it's one of the top films of the festival for sure, so. All right, shorts package, a pack of jokers. This is all of our funniest movies, our wackiest movies there's some goddamn weird movies in this one, man. Baby Thump, <laughs> Ben Zamata, NYC Tips and Tricks even gets a little strange. This is a cool one, man. Uh, how did we pare down the shorts this year? It was friggin' tough. Like, of the movies we wanted to program, there was like 60 the first pass. We were like, okay, 
um, we got to start to pare this down a little bit. But uh, of the packs, what would you say are the strongest vibes of this one, Brendan? I really like Culture Beat. I mean, Andre Highland is a, an alum of the festival. Um, also, Mary Doderman, another alum of the festival. This might be her fourth or fifth film that we've played. Inappropriate Jokes Well Told was a setup that I was um, a little leery of. And then I realized it was the best telling of this joke I'd ever heard. It's one of those jokes that um, everyone probably has like an uncle that will tell it at a Thanksgiving dinner or something. And you're like, oh, that's how that joke's supposed to be told. Great. Corners. We've got the world premiere of Corners. And this is one of the ones I think was one of the very first in our list that we knew we wanted. I couldn't believe we got world premiere of Corners. That should have been playing everywhere. This short is awesome. It is so, so good. And just, it's one of those films that when the, the filmmaker emailed us before it's made and, and just the still that came with it, I was like, I just based on the still, I'm pretty sure we're going to book this film because it's not the actually still we use in our guide, but there's one where he's wearing a, a corner on his head. And I was like, whatever the story is that involves this piece of headwear feels like a cuff film. And it was. And so that, I mean, I think those are the ones that are really good. But as you said, this this was such a tough year of paring down our, our packages that I don't think there's a, a weak link in, uh, in the bunch in, in any of these. It really was a, a tough year where there were several films that, that probably should be included that, that did not make the cut. So it is start to finish bangers. And we actually, uh, just to keep adding to who's coming, uh, the director for Corners and Cruise, um, a Canadian film Cruise with director Sam Rudikoff and then Corners James Berlowski are both going to be here. So Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, next shorts pack, Hideous Haunts, as the title suggests. This is the horror shorts pack. Creepy, spooky, ooky. There's a real gross one in here, too. <laughs> and some comedy horror yeah. and kind of like it's kind of weirdly. It's all over, man. What are some standouts for you on this one, Tilly? I mean, I, I think uh, just starting with Drip by Drip, which is the first film in the package. I, I think I remember when the three of us were watching. It was maybe one of the first things we watched the day we were watching everything together again. And my comment was, I don't know what package this goes in, but I want to kick off the package with this. Because whatever package we put this in, this is going to set the tone for just being weirdly odd of, of just like, it's just a film about a dripping faucet and what that, that reveals. Um, anytime we play a Wally Chung film, I'm going to give that a shout out. We've got in the mountains this year. I mean, Wally is a, a huge friend of the festival and every time he sends us something. We Wally does goblins this time, little goblin guys. They're gross too. Yeah. And Betsy does a voice in this too, right? Another alum. I think Nightbus might have won the, the best animated short at Sundance. I'm actually not sure off the top of my head, but I think it won best animated short. It's it's quite the trip. NQR was like nothing else we'd we'd seen. I know Brenda is absolutely in love with Debt Collectors. I'm a I'm a huge fan of it as well, but that was one that she really was brought to to our attention as being a, a terrific one that's in this package. Again, start to finish, there's not a weak spot in this, but it's all just so so good, and I think really came together, you know, as that ideal mixtape you want, right? The ups and downs. I think every film flows from from one to the next in a package like this. Yeah, there's also like I can't believe it, but we're gonna have the director of Teratoma here from Spain. It's his first time leaving Europe, and he's gonna be here for a whole week. And then we've also got their director coming from Smile, the Canadian film, um, in the package, and even possibly some more, but. Looking forward to having some short filmmakers attend. Speaking of mixtapes, shorts pack, pushing through. is the kind of mixtape you'd give a girl or a boy to impress them when you really want them to like you. You know, you're putting some Wilco, some Bruce Springsteen, some Rolling Stones. You want to show you're sensitive, but a cool person at the same time. I'd say that's the overall vibe of this pack. Would y'all agree? Yeah, I mean, there actually is some Rolling Stones in it because Sarah Driver has to... Uh carry a print of Cocksucker Blues to Rotterdam. So that was a good good mention of including the Rolling Stones there. Yeah. Thank you. Great band. I'm not sure if people have heard of them. <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to break out soon. If you guys haven't uh, heard of the Rolling Stones, us here at the Calgary Underground Film Festival, curating for you the most underground stuff, we want to suggest to you the Rolling Stones. They're pretty hip. Um, and I think, I think them, and also Jim Jarmusch, if you haven't heard of him yet, great documentary about him. I think you're going to learn a lot about Jim Jarmusch. And I think, again, 
40 years after uh, Stranger Than Paradise, it's about time that he breaks out. <laughs> and we have a local short in this one, so I hope Matt Prazik will be in attendance. Landline, very sentimental, oh, yeah. beautifully shot local short. In the Soil, man, what a short film. This might be one of my favorite shorts of the overall festival. And the director's also coming with uh, Break Any Spell, the Canadian LARPing short. That was damn cool, too. Yeah, so that's in the package. We earlier mentioned Kayla, who the former programmer of our uh, cartoons, did a fantastic documentary on folk horror last year. And uh, if, if anyone's interest in folk horror was kicked off by that documentary, I think In the Soil very much plays into to that. And, and that would be one to, to check out because I know I saw it. Um, actually, I think probably within days of watching the documentary because I caught them both at... Uh, at Fantasia, and I was like, whoa, this is great. It's still going, going strong with, with modern folk horror. So that was one I'd, I'd showed out. Next up is our first free screening for people 14 aged and under, Slashback, which I'd best describe as attack the block done Canadian style. Uh, this is a really fun teenage horror romp, cool kids fighting off an alien invasion. It was just nice to see positive vibes in a dark year of movies. This is a fun monster movie. This is a cool, fun time. And I, yeah, bring the kids. Like, honestly, this is safe for them. Say anyone over, what, 10? It's probably it's, cool to watch it, this. It's really safe. What kids are watching on streamers these days, I don't know, there's... Yeah, it's true. There's I've been not a lot of warnings in this one. Eight-year-olds watch Rick and Morty. So you can bring a seven-year-old to this movie, I guess, by those standards. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's led by an ensemble group of, like, really great young female actors. And I thought that they pulled it off really well. Like, that's a tough task for a first feature to direct all these kids. Like, Spielberg style. Yeah, so I, I was impressed by that for sure. And yeah. I feel like a lot of our demographic would love to get in the heads of their kids with Cuff and say, come on out. So this, yeah, this feels like it's a great film for them to entry do that level, Entry-level Cuff for the, for the youngsters. Yeah. But also some great action vibes for the oldsters. Yeah, absolutely. Like it played at South by Southwest as its uh, world premiere and it, it's being just as well marketed to the adults as youth. So... That's what makes it special. I was going to say, this is like not strictly a kiss film. I mean, this was right on par with, you know, the Midnighters at, at South. It wasn't actually in the Midnighter section, but uh, along with the Midnighters was in the same conversations about, you know, the, the great horror films that were at South by Southwest. And yeah, it's certainly not as, you know, gruesome or, or violent as, as some of the other ones that played there this year. But, you know, really, it while being family appropriate, it is not strictly targeted to children adults will get a lot of good vibes of this as well i mean similar to something like attack the block right like as yes. you said Cam, it really is a a great film in in that way and so so excited to see these uh emerging voices come out and the other thing i want to add is it does have a, a great short film attached to it too trevor solway's uh, dear friend is is playing with it and again a real strong pairing and that one deals great with uh, with mental health particularly in in teens Let's talk about physical health and mental health next. Straighten Up and Fly Right, which is an American drama disability relationship film. Kind of shot Safdie Brothers style. It's so raw, it feels like you're actually watching a, a doc. And I'd say the Safdie Brothers comparison is apropos. It did win the uh, Grand Jury Prize at Slam Dance in the Unstoppable section. It's a type of representation that we don't see a lot of. It's about... A woman who I'm probably going to butcher saying the name of the condition, but it's ankylosing spondylitis, I believe, and it's it's a it's like a severe form of of arthritis. And to see her represent up on screen and kind of what her trials and tribulations are, while also having just a very touching relationship film, is quite beautiful. Yeah, I got strong heaven knows what vibes from this movie. It feels right at home in our lineup. Yeah, and it's co-directed with um, Stephen Tenenbaum, and he has the disease, and I'm hoping that they're actually going to be able to attend the festival, but uh, it's possible that, you know, a lot of the story is also, as they've co-written and directed it, um, coming from some personal experiences, so... Yeah, and we, we have the international premiere, which I think is a pretty big score after winning a, the Grand Jury Prize at Slam Dance to get the, the next screen of it, I think was a, a pretty big score for us, which we're, we're quite happy with. And 
we hope our audiences take advantage of that to you know really be able on the cutting edge of, of seeing a film that is likely going to go on to much larger exposure and has not yet. Gee, right. I love the diversity of this lineup as we're going. This is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Look at how diverse we're getting right now. Yeah. We got Sundown, which premiered at Cannes, played Tiff, played Venice, and it's got Tim Roth in full asshole form. Oh, my God. He can be scary, man. There's another movie this year that we really wanted to get called Resurrection, where Tim Roth is a crazy asshole in that one, manipulative asshole. But in this one, it's a different kind of asshole. The, the, the man's got range in the turds he can play. This is like a slow, simmering, class drama. Uh, it feels like it could explode any minute. Kind of like White Lotus if White Lotus had guts. You know that HBO show, White Lotus? Yeah, I watched it. I liked it, but it, it didn't ever feel like it could explode. Whereas this thing feels like there's a fuse burning the entire movie. Yeah, and I guess I would say, you mentioned Resurrection. I guess we just revealed that's not the secret screening. So we ruled one out of the list of what's the secret screening. Yes, the, yes, Resurrection is not the secret screening. <laughs> just continue to shout out the film Resurrection in the hopes that we will be able to book it at some point in the next few months. So this is the preliminary yeah. promotion of it. Please, when we finally, we pray we book it for something, um, do come watch it. That is one of the, the absolute best films of the year end. As Ken said, Tim Roth is amazing in, in both of these films. I think Resurrection was my favorite movie at Sundance this year. Next to Piggy, man, it was a good Sundance. Damn good. It was a great Sundance, yeah. All right, next up, we got yucks for you, gang. The Civil Dead. And I believe we got a guest coming down from this one. Am I wrong? Oh, no, Clay Tatum's coming down. The, the star, the writer, the director. Mm -hmm. Wow, what a funny movie. I was laughing this is definitely my shit. Like, <laughs> we were tossing around Beetlejuice earlier, but this has strong Beetlejuice vibes as well. It's basically a slacker finds out his friend's dead and only he can see him. Or can he? Uh, so they play with that <laughs> the entire movie. But the jokes are not the standard type of uh, is my friend dead jokes. They're very mumbled core based in neuroses and uh, people just wanting to ultimately sit around eating cereal and watching cartoons but having to put up with other people uh, and the horrors that can come from that. Uh, I loved that we were able to get this movie, man. Another another slam dance, yeah? Uh, yeah, this, this one we found through through slam dance. And also we, we knew Clay through being one of the stars of Squirrel, which was one of our favorite shorts from a few years ago. I thought I recognized him. Definitely. With with Clay coming, I hope he gets a new haircut, especially for his attendance at Cuff, because there's one thing this guy can do to milk a joke, it's cut his hair. <laughs> All right, next up, a movie with zero jokes, but damn fine atmosphere. The Righteous feature film debut of actor Mark O'Brien, aforementioned charming young man in the great film Ready or Not. Again, you would not believe this was a first feature film. Holy crap, the command that this young man has behind the camera. This film shot in black and white, it looked so good. So good, like strong echoes of Night of the Hunter. It's, it's a small story about what happens to an old couple when a young mysterious man shows up. Uh, I don't, again, don't want to ruin anything. I like knowing as little about movies as humanly possible. But you see some of the finest Canadian performances of the last decade, I'd say, in this movie, man. Like, the lead performance is stunning. Like, Henry Cherney, what a treasure, man. He's kind of like someone we take for granted because he's everywhere. But uh, he's such a damn fine actor. And uh, I saw this at Fantasia. Um, in, I guess that was August, and it was like instant booking. It was like, Brenda, if this isn't out and you don't show it, Sif, please, 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 can we show The Righteous? All right, next we're taking a trip to Chile with Travesty Odyssey. A look at uh, the queer drag club scene in Chile and its history and its uh, current activist movements. And a lot of naughtiness in this, man. It's definitely inspired by John Waters-style drag. Like, this isn't a pompous drag. This is crude, rough-and-tumble drag. You see some uh, parts of people in this movie. And <laughs> I loved it. I thought, uh, I thought this one screamed cuff as well, man. It feels like a party the whole time. It touches on politics, but some of the footage that you see, it's like, wow, I wish I could have been there. And you get to be with Travis D. Odyssey. Yeah, and your, your mention of John Waters, I think, yeah, like it, 
this, you know, the 50th anniversary of Pink Flamingos, I think it's worth noting the, the lineage there to, to that style of just really raw, super, you know, social outburst style, style drag is, is what, what they're doing with this one. All right, next up, another documentary called Underdog, and this follows Doug, the most charming dairy farmer in the world, risking it all to become a dog musher in Alaska. And I know it kind of sounds like a generic story, I'll admit, but man, hanging out with Doug, it's a joy. Doug is like the uncle you wish you always could have had. The uncle that's got his shit together, but has adventures in the works and can tell a damn fine story. I legit didn't even care what the movie was about when I was watching it. I just liked hanging out with Doug. I'm going to be honest. I don't care that much about dog washing or dairy farming, but I loved watching this movie and hanging out with this movie. It's very much like a chill hangout movie. You're partying with Doug. You're seeing some cute dogs. Yeah, I'm a sucker for films with cute dogs, too, I have to admit. As long as they don't die. As long as they don't die. Yeah, we got to keep Riley away from this film. I just worry that Riley is going to come in and recut this documentary when the dogs are going to get shot. It's just really, really tough. <laughs> no, this is great. Sorry, I just want to mention that there's a short before Underdog 2 because we've been on a roll mentioning them. This one has Deerwood's Death Trap, which was uh, one that uh, Brennan brought to our attention and is a really amazing short. All right, I'm going to throw back to when Brenda was talking about the different ways that you can approach making a documentary. I've never seen a documentary made this way, and we met in virtual reality, premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, and a lot, it turns out a lot of the people featured in this movie are Albertans, and they're coming down. I think th- even f- three or four are from Calgary. Like, There's going to be seven people with this film in total, and the majority of them have never met, like, obviously they've met their partner who they are with, but them as a group have never met outside of the virtual reality world. So it's going to be a bit of a in-person reunion for them here as well. So. Yeah, and so the movie was entirely shot in the world of VR in a verite style within this digital reality. Very cool. I've never seen anything like it. And uh, we were so amazed to hear that uh, so many of the folks are coming (laughs) to the screening. We knew the director, Joe Hunting, was coming. But then Brenda got a message. She's like, yeah, it turns out there's some folks in Edmonton that are in this movie. A lot of people in Calgary that are in this movie. So that's going to be a great screening to attend in person. Yeah, I love when that works out. Like something that you just discover long after you've booked or been interested in a film and then there ends up being Alberta and Calgary connections way more often than we realize there's going to be, which is awesome. All right, next up, another Southern Gothic horror-affiliated, horror-adjacent film, What Josiah Saw, another film that I caught at Fantasia and said, please, 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 can we book this movie, please? Robert Patrick plays such a good asshole. Like, wow, we're going to how good of an asshole Tim Roth plays. Robert Patrick, equally good at playing bad guys. And uh, this, is, this is a ghost movie that's not a ghost movie. It deals with generational trauma in a rural family. It gets candid, it gets dark, but it always has heart. And I mean, Nick Stahl is killing it again too, man. Another actor that I really wish was used more. Um, so yeah, they've, they've both been in the Terminator franchises. Uh, one was in one of the best ones, one was in one of the worst ones. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I loved that we landed what Josiah saw, and this is going to be on Shudder sometime this summer, so it's always nice when they play ball with us. There was a connection, too, with our past. I... Bellflower. Yeah. Uh, the produced Bellflower, which it, it actually won our jury award in 2011, and I would say it's still one of my favorite films we've played. Yeah, Vincent Grashaw was one of the, uh, the producers of that. And uh, so we've had a bit of a relationship with him since then. And it's great to, I think this is the third film he's directed. And it's great to finally have one of his his directorial efforts in our festival. Another one that we saw and loved at Fantasia. I know Brenda really loves this movie, Wild Men. Yeah, Wild Men. Yeah, I did really love this film. I actually first saw it at Tribeca originally and uh, thought we might be able to get it at SIF, but it wasn't available. And I'm so glad and we were fortunate that the timing worked out for Cuff. I love Danish film. It's this uh, dark comedy. But kind of cute in a way. It's a guy yeah. who tries to live off the grid, but his life's very much rooted in modern society. It's, yeah, that's exactly it. I love watching this guy. And it's, this dude commits, man. <laughs> yeah, fully commits. So, 
All right, we got three late arrivals. As if we didn't have enough bangers. We got the new Peter Strickland Flux Gourmet, guys. I don't know how Brenda pulled this off. All hail the queen. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was like the second screening of Flux Gourmet. So people listening should know the work of Peter Strickland in fabric. Duke of Burgundy, Barbarian Sound Studio. This is his new one, Flux Gourmet. And it's about a club of uh, people who like to experiment with food. (laughs) And let's not say much more, but uh, there's a a lot of farting and stomach issues done in the Strickland, Jess Franco throwback way. I know that people want to see this. We don't really need to say much more. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Exactly. Next up, we got another midnight movie, Wormwood Apocalypse. We showed the director's previous work, Necrotronic, as a midnight film. This again has the man returning to the world of Wormwood, the zombie riddled apocalyptic wasteland. Hey, another Mad Max inspired film, gang. It's almost as though people are thinking of the apocalypse quite a bit these days. Uh, Some cool zombie mayhem. Uh, XYZ Films is bringing this one to us and we're super excited. It's gonna be the perfect midnight film to watch with the beers and the weeds and the friends. And last but not least, we got fresh off of Sundance, Watcher, starring Micah Monroe. This is a Hitchcockian throwback as seen from the ladies in the Hitchcock movies perspective. So we're used to seeing the conspiracy and the paranoia and the gaslighting from the male perspective. This is showing the Grace Kelly POV of similar situations. Definitely rich in style, rich in suspense. If you like Hitchcock, you're going to want to see Watcher. I love Micah Monroe, man. She was in The Guest. It Follows. I I think she did one of the Independence Day movies, and then Hollywood was like, oh, that movie didn't do so well. And so she's back in the indie world. This film won the best feature at at Boston Underground just uh, a few weeks ago as well. So in addition to its big screenings at Sundance and South By, it's also been playing festival very close to our hearts where it took best feature. Okay, guys, those are all of the movies. We got some live script readings in there. What are we missing, Brenda? Well, we're missing the fact that we're going to be announcing the XYZ distribution panel or session. James Shapiro is going to be coming and we're going to have an afternoon at Vern's Pub across from the Globe on Saturday, uh, April 23rd. So every filmmaker in the city needs to be at this event. This is the head of distribution of XYZ Films, the brains behind Mandy and The Raid. Spilling the beans, giving you the tips, the tricks. Yeah, and it's going to be in a really low-key environment where you're going to get an opportunity to meet James, too. So it's right before the shorts package that day, so people come down, have a beer, listen to what he has to say, meet him for a few minutes, head to shorts. I think it'll be a nice afternoon. Yeah. Cuffcade's back? Cuffcade is back. Uh, We've got the lineup listed on the website There's two Calgary games as part of the curation this year. It's all new selection. Uh, So five arcades, they're free to play at the festival. So if you're not sure what to do between films, uh, just, you know, keep that in mind. Take a look at what some of them are, some of the developers are like online if you want to. Yeah, it's going to be fun to have it back. And those, once they launch at the festival, we keep them up all year. So play them for the eight days and then... Get a taste. Get a taste. And then return yeah. to the beautiful Globe Cinema. And I haven't yeah. seen any of these yet, but I'm really stoked to play Ritual. It's described on our website as, can you survive long enough to complete your dark ritual before freezing to death? That sounds like a great game. I mean, these all sound like great games, but that one is is a local one. And I, I, I'm going to push aside some some children to make sure I play it first. (laughs) But most importantly, we're back in person. We're back with asses in seats at the Globe Cinema with guests and drinks and all the awesome Globe staff and ambiance. Watching these movies in cinema with fellow nerds is why we do this, is the experience, man. People will notice um, we've got a few daytime screenings again. So we did it on two of the days. There's noon screenings and 4 p.m. screenings. And the noon screenings are intended for people to feel comfortable. It's our cuff tots. So feel comfortable to bring your babies to it because it's set up as an environment in which nobody should mind or care if you've got a crying little one, but you want to see a rad movie at the festival. So those are for you. We're trying to get the next generation early. 
You know, we got yeah. slash backers under 14s, but at Cuff Tots, we're going like, yo, are you three? You want a t-shirt? What's up? <laughs> friends for life. Exactly. Well, thanks for joining us, Brenda and Brendan. Always nice having you on the CuffCast, and I'm sure I'll be seeing plenty of you in the next couple of weeks here. Yeah, can't wait. Thanks. It's nice having those guys stop by the studio. You've been watching much with the new baby that's kicking around, right? Yeah, you know, you get that time where you just become a glorified holster and you just hold the baby and you sit there and you have to occupy the time and rock them until they, so they don't cry on you. So yeah, we've been watching some Tubi stuff. I got to catch up with a few of the Peter Koplowski recommendations. He knows this stuff. The PM Entertainment, uh, the, the sci-fi action ones? Yeah, Dark Breed. That one sounds some dope. Some amazing stunts in that one. Uh, there was uh, Gary Daniels one as well, Fire. Firecracker, something like that. Fire, it was a set in the future. It's like a underground fighting ring that they have to infiltrate. Oh, I love like, underground uh, fighting ring movies. It's his, not Steve, Chad McQueen. Yeah, the ultimate Chad. Uh, <laughs> he's actually pretty funny. I, I, I like that guy. He's got, he's got some good Who, Chad McQueen? Chad McQueen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kinda, but you were saying, Gary, you were saying to me earlier, Gary Daniels is still buff and practicing martial arts. Yeah, he's got Instagram, uh, the real Gary Daniels, I think. Yeah, and he's like one of the few of those martial artists of the 90s or late 80s or whatever, like that still is kind of committed to it, you know, and not just sort of like uh, preserving that image. Like he, he, he like writes about like the, his philosophy to it or the, the five things to better body building and stuff like he's like taking it seriously right he's not like Jeff Speakman or yeah, yeah. he's more like Stallone yeah 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 I guess Stallone's still practicing still the doing. fitness yeah yeah so anyway yeah some good stuff there and uh, <laughs> some not so good stuff watching some uh, full moon entertainment seed people oh yeah what a poster though uh, the that one, seed one of the people best posters poster? I had to watch it right it was 82 minutes I've too. heard it's terrible though I, I've, I can't it's so weird though. It's told like a film noir. Like it's it's because they didn't get the coverage or whatever. It's like narrated by the guy, and he's like, "Well, you know, I went back to the visit to to look at this, and I found a, quite an interesting thing." You know, and it's like, "What? What?" It has this uh, yeah overarching narrative of of him explaining how he got to this scenario. It's very weird. When those full moon movies own though, they really own. But even when they don't, they're okay because they're eighty two minutes. You know, they're not yeah, and they're fun, man. Yeah, like Charles Band late. knows how to have a good time. Like. Yeah. You know I love Ouija's, Ouija's. You bought me the evil bong box box set. set. Uh, But I also love Shrunken Heads, the Richard Elfman movie. It's like a superhero movie about shrunken voodoo head kids. Like these kids die. They get murdered by drug dealers. Then someone shrinks their heads and turns them into voodoo superpower, uh, superpowered beings to get revenge. And is it like Tales from the Hood, that segment where the little creatures are running around? Exactly. It's like that, but with three flying voodoo heads oh. so one of them stabs with his teeth one of them bites and one of them has like laser eyes <laughs> that's kind of the full moon way it's like they always like little puppeteer dudes but they always had to have one flying guy you know like even in seed people it's like these peapod dudes that come out of the ground sort of like uh, feels like a earnest scared stupid but then there's always a flying one and they you know you can tell it's you need a flying one <laughs> they, they always knew what to you know they have the flying gremlin in part two man that is true the flying gremlin yeah who falls into the cement and then is still oh. somehow able to fly but oh, then that's becomes the, the gargoyle scene. that part is amazing <laughs> oh gremlins too yeah I mean we don't have time to do a mail day because that was a pretty epic episode but I do want to shout out a movie I saw too RRR from SS Ramjuli oh, yeah. Bollywood action film. No one is safe from being thrown in this movie. Humans are thrown. Tigers are thrown. <laughs> motorbikes are thrown. And I mentioned how in full moon movies, they're like, you know, a brisk 80 minutes. This ain't an 80 minute This ain't movie. an 80 minute movie. This is a three hour movie, complete with intermission. But my God, it flew by. My time was not wasted. I was saying this to you earlier, but it made me mad at how little these bigger Hollywood movies are trying to make good movies. Like... This was so good on every level and populist on every level. Romance, comedy, action, music, but you're constantly entertained. It's almost like a live action animated movie in a way. And I just, I I really wish that we could embrace Bollywood cinema much more over here. It's like, yes, there are songs, but those songs have the most beautiful dancing and costumes Mm -hmm. and locations and sheer number of extras. 
Like, we got to get over North Americans going, oh my God, I love these Disney and Pixar movies, which are essentially just musicals. But then they won't go see a real musical or right, go, yeah. oh, a Bollywood movie? There's probably singing and dancing in it. Singing and dancing are awesome. And this movie still managed to be super violent. So this is from the brains behind Ega, the killer fly revenge movie, which also has music numbers in it and I hope it ends up on Netflix but you gotta see this on the biggest screen is there some big possible. action and stuff in, like set, there, stunt, set pieces okay, or what these action scenes are all maybe 15 to 20 minutes long wow there's about 6 of these okay. set pieces wow and the one they started off with has maybe 300 acting extras in wow. a raid st- style sequence where there's bodies piling on one guy and you the action choreography, oh my god, because action and dance are so interconnected. Anyone who watches yeah. a kung fu movie or a Wing Chun movie, you see fighting is yeah. dancing, right? Yeah. And so I'm not surprised that these people have been choreographing the most beautiful dance moves for how long? Like a century. <laughs> are able to make some beautiful action sequences with the same set of skills. And uh, yeah, I was hard this entire movie. I'm not, af- I'm not afraid to put that out there. This was like watching Fury Road for me, man. The whole time, I was like, I don't want this to end. I know this movie's three hours. I don't want it to end. I want to watch it again. And so I haven't seen his other films, Bahubali 1 and 2, and I hear they're just crazy, crazy gonzo. And uh, he's made two other movies with both of the actors in this. They're both on YouTube that I'm going to watch. But uh, yeah, man, I'm just excited that I have a whole world of movies that I know nothing about. I've seen seven Bollywood movies in my life, but now I'm just like, holy shit, I gotta watch more. Like, there's so many, and they're so underappreciated. And, and I know, and I even just learned the other day, they're not all Bollywood. There's different districts that have a different name. So there's like Sandalwood, or um, I don't even know all of them. I'm not, I'm not immersed enough to know, but one day I hope to be. <laughs> so you heard it here first, Viagra, Cialis, RRR. Those yeah. are the three <laughs> movies that you need to. I meant emotionally hard. I didn't actually. Oh, okay, have okay, 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 okay. <laughs> that's. I mean, not that that's good. I mean, I, I yeah. want you to have them, but uh, yeah. you don't need you to have it have a, in a public theater. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing I wanted to mention too was that last podcast I had mentioned the Tubi film that I wanted people to see was Times Square. And then what happened a couple days after we had that? Kino Lorber does a Blu-ray. Kino announced it. So I'm super excited that, remember we were talking about the music rights, oh. probably not, never going get, to get a chance to be released again. Kino's been doing beautiful work with music rights. Kino rights. is The amazing. Wildlife has like Led Zeppelin and shit on it. Like, I don't know how they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the wildlife is another one people, no one thought would ever come out. And they I put bet it Little out. Darlings is next. I bet we're getting Little <laughs> Darlings. If they can here. save Little Darlings, although that's paramount. They're really stingy with their properties, but... Anyway, Kino, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for releasing uh, Times Square. Can't wait to check that out. And thanks to the listeners. Oh, yeah. Hope to see thank everybody you. at the top. I still got to edit it, though. That's the hard work. Yeah, is it? Yeah. Oh, especially with me. Us and <laughs> talking about my boners. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, you know what? We need more of that <laughs> in the world. All right, everyone. Keep it sleazy until then. And uh, thanks as always, Rhett. Love you, man. Pleasure. Let's go.